Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time about. for Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Good morning. Good morning, Central Coast. It's a beautiful winter day here. First December show of the year. It's December 7th. Bringing you a live show after taking a week off to enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday with family and friends. Hope you did the same and had a wonderful Thanksgiving. On to the next holiday, right? They just keep coming this time of year. Yeah, yeah, they do. <coughs> they do. Um, let's see here. I am Dan Podesto, and uh, my usual co-host, Jason Grody, is taking the week off, so brought in a very capable replacement here, Jason Van Dyke. Um, not a stranger to the show anymore. Yeah, I've done it a few times. Done it a few times. We were just were talking about uh, how Mr. Dan Podesto is now <laughs> carrying the show when Jason's gone. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> different feel, but that's the whole point. We're actually um, we're trying to mix things up a little bit. Uh, we've had we've been bringing you on uh, here periodically. Another loan officer from North County, Will Barnaby, has been on a few times recently as well, and we're we're looking forward to continuing that trend next year. Um, I think it's good because it it gives us the opportunity. To, to get different people in here, um, to offer different opinions, different perspectives on some of the topics that we cover. I gotta believe people are sick of hearing just Jason and I say the same thing over and over, so it's... I don't know, you guys run a pretty good show, <laughs> so it's a tight ship. It's a big, big shoes to fill over here. I'll do my jet, my best for sure. Jason right. number two. <laughs> Makes it easy on me, I don't have to remember new names. There you go. So how was your holiday? It was good. It's good. Stayed local, which is always nice. Yeah. I like the low key sort of Thanksgiving, but just did the traditional turkey, mashed potato stuffing, which uh, which I always enjoy. So always look forward to this uh, this time of year for sure. Yeah, right. Thanksgiving's easily my favorite holiday. Oh, good. Yeah. No I've... presents to buy. Right. Yeah. You know, no, no expectations. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's just my job and... is get the turkey in the oven and watch football. Oh, that's... that's what I do. We had some good games this week, too. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was all right. Oh, was no, all right. nothing you're too excited about. No. What, what, who's your football team again? The San Francisco 49ers. We've got the Super Bowl of the regular season coming up this weekend. Oh, very good. You know, the Seattle yeah. Seahawks. Yeah, it'll be a it's good It's going to be a big game. Big oh, game in my house, anyway. Yeah, I'm a Broncos fan, so we don't get a lot of Bronco <laughs> games out here. But, uh, but we're having a good season, too, so it's working out okay. All right. Well, um, there was a strange thing that happened last night. Um, I don't know if you heard it in the middle of the night. It kind of kept me up. I'm a little, little. Um, I, I, I feel I feel a little tired today. A baby? Was it a baby? Well, it was a baby, but there's also this this thing outside. Water falling from the sky. Hmm. Is that what is that I've stuff? I've heard of that. It's rain. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've heard about it, and I've read about it a lot. It happens in other parts of the country. It happened here last night. So it was kind of neat to wake up and see the streets wet and the, the leaves changing colors. It actually feels like winter. Um, so I'm, I'm actually starting to get into that holiday spirit now. Yeah, it's not often that the weather predicts sort of the thing that we do around <laughs> here. So it's, uh, it's a little new. I, didn't they cancel the, the – didn't they have a lighted boat festival? Lighted, yeah, lighted boat parade was supposed yes. to be um, – Tonight. 
Yeah, or tonight. Yeah, there's also a Christmas tree lighting, I think, out in Morro Bay. Um, I think that is still on. The Lighted Boat Parade's been moved to next weekend. Okay. But there's a, there's a few other festivities, I believe. I think there's something going on in your neck of the woods. Uh, Pastor Robles says Vine Street. Is that tonight? I believe so. I'll okay. double check, but I think so. That's a great yeah. event if you've never been. Vine Street, all the Victorians, they're lit up, and yeah. they have people acting out like Ebenezer Scrooge and Very fun. cider and cookies and all that stuff. And you can go into some of the homes and stuff and check them out, and it's very cool. I think Pismo had uh, Christmas on the pier last night as oh, well. Did they? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, Christmas festivities, holiday, I guess, festivities around uh, this time of year, obviously. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, especially for the kids. Yeah. Especially for the kids. Um, let's see here. So we are just getting started, and um, we're going to welcome on a guest, a couple of guests actually, here in just about 20 minutes or so. We have Dick and Narlene Keenan, um, who will be joining us. We're going to be focusing on real estate in the South County during the middle hour of the show, and uh, but we have a lot of headlines to cover before we invite them on. Um, first week of the month is always an exciting one for us. It's a, it's a market-moving week for us. It's a week when the employment report generally comes out. As long as there's not a government shutdown, we get that report. And uh, it's, it's, I would say, arguably the, the most watched report that we get on a monthly basis. Um, maybe short of a Fed meeting um, or some other... Something that I wouldn't consider normal. Um, the Fed meetings tend to not be that normal anymore, um, given the the spending, um, the bond buying, the treasury buying that sure, we're doing. Sure, Especially uh, the global economy that we're living in now. I mean, we, we see a lot of things coming out of Europe that affect... Um, you know, our stock market and our bond market. So there's a, you know, we, we have to look, uh, you know, here locally, but uh, yeah, the global economy definitely uh, has some effect as well. So, but yeah, this week was, uh, was big for, uh, for a few economic reports. Um, the job numbers came out on Friday, unemployment rate fell, you know, to 7% from 7.3%. So, uh, so those were, those were big numbers. Uh, the jobs report uh, created 203,000 in November was above the expected 188,000, which again is a, another good, strong sign for the economy. Yeah, definitely. And I think maybe even more important is the the average for, from August through uh, November. So what is that? Three, four months. We've been consistently around 200,000 jobs created per month. Um, that's a huge increase from earlier in the year when we were about 159 per month. Right. Um, so that especially given that we just came from a place where government was shut down, there was all this um, speculation that the jobs numbers wouldn't be that great. Right. And, and coming out of that, we've seen great numbers. I, great, I should temper that a little bit more. 200,000 is, is good. It's, it's great compared to where we've, we're coming from. It's not where we want to be. We want to be even better than that. Um, but it's certainly on the right track. It's it's been it's maintained a little more consistency. We've seen some of these better jobs numbers followed up by weaker numbers. Correct. There's more optimism that this is the sign of a, a future trend and not just an aberration. Yeah, I think uh, the combination of a, a few things. Um, obviously, the unemployment rate falling. Um, you know, the, obviously creating jobs, which is good. 
Uh, the Fed has what they call a beige book that comes out. Uh, it's a basically a summary of, uh, of commentary on current economic conditions by the Federal Reserve. It's published eight times a year. Um, and just summarizes economic info from the 12 districts. But, uh, but that came out this week, and that, the Fed really likes to use that as sort of an inflation indicator. And the, the information that we got says that, you know, inflation is contained um, right now, so that's, uh, that's also good for the economy. So we're seeing a lot of good reports economically. Um, but like you said, everything, you know, comes with a grain of salt. A lot of these numbers are often um, reviewed and adjusted, you know, mm -hmm. weeks later. So we do have to uh, take everything with a grain of salt. But but overall, I think everything's looking uh, looking positive for the economy. Yeah. Um, in fact, you, you mentioned things getting revised. We saw the jobs number from October actually get revised significantly higher. Previously reported 130,000 jobs gained. Uh, revised to 184,000 gained. So that helped contribute to that um, four-month average that we've seen here recently of about something over 200,000 jobs gained per month. So that's that's really great as far as employment goes. When you dive a little bit deeper into those numbers, we're seeing that more of the jobs are higher paying, which has been a big problem, I think, with past uh, jobs reports. We've seen a lot of um, I wouldn't consider them head of household jobs, um, things more in the service sector, retail, um, restaurant, hospitality type jobs. Sure. I mean, it's great to have jobs out there, um, but we want to see more of those mid to higher level jobs being created. And we saw that this report. Right. We saw manufacturers adding 27,000 jobs, which was the most since March of last year. Construction companies added 17,000 jobs. Um, combined over the last couple of months, we've seen over 100,000 jobs created in those categories. We've seen hourly wages up. We've seen um, the number of hours that employee employees are working up. Um, and and then we're, we're seeing hiring also still in those other sectors. Um, but it's, it's just a broad-based increase in employment, and it's really good. I have to just for full disclosure, we're still seeing a lot of 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 non participants, which is contributing to the falling employment rates. So that's always got to or unemployment rates. So that's always got to be taken into account. Sure. Um, looking at the unemployment rate alone is not always the right way to gauge where we're at. Sure. Um, so we're still seeing, I think, more than 4 million people have been out of work longer than six months. Those are your long-term unemployed. Mm -hmm. and, um, and and just, you know, people in general, the labor participation is not quite where we want it. I think the trend that I've seen over the past couple of years is when we see a strong employment report like this, we see the, the unemployment rate actually increase the following month because there's more optimism. And some of those people who have previously given up are now ready to jump back in and and try to find one of those jobs yeah and i i think again that speaks to sort of taking everything with a grain of salt the initial jobless claims dropped twenty three thousand to 298 versus the expected 330 so again that's 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 a good decrease in that jobless claims but then we also have to take into consideration you know we're looking at thanksgiving holiday so you know a lot of people are focused on that um, you know, this time of year. So it's, you know, what does it all mean for us in the, in the mortgage world? Um, you know, it's our job to decipher all of this and try and figure it all out. Um, but w what we're seeing, what we saw this week was, I think the, the anticipation of that jobs report coming out Friday, we saw, you know, that 
a lot of volatility in the market. We saw the bond market sort of fall off um, a little bit, which which increases interest rates. And it was sort of interesting when I was looking at it. I'm looking at the charts, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the bond market um, had poor days ahead of this jobs report. The jobs report came out. It was a good number for the economy, which again should have uh, should have seen a, a additional sell off in the bond market. But that was the one day that the bond market increased. So I think what we're seeing is investors are anticipating these reports coming out and they're making their moves ahead of these reports actually coming out. So there's a, there's a lot to weigh, you know, how much of the movement is anticipation of reports coming out when the reports are actually here, how much will they be adjusted in the future? And so um, there, there's a lot of mixed news out there that uh, that makes it a little difficult to know exactly where we are because I don't think we're as rosy as, uh, as some of these reports may seem um, initially. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I, th I think a lot of it needs to be um, a, a lot of the headlines you see that, that paint a fa fairly rosy picture are just comparing it to the recent past, which has been pretty terrible. Right, exactly. So you, we need to look at it in the context of, of what we consider a healthy, normal market. And, and we're just not quite there yet, but we're on the right track. Um, I wanted to zoom in locally uh, as far as the unemployment figures go. Um, San Luis Obispo County for October reported a 6.1% unemployment rate, um, lowest October unemployment since 2008. We are tied with Sonoma and Santa Barbara counties for the sixth best unemployment rate among the 58 counties in California. Uh, Marin County continues to have the lowest unemployment rate at 4.8%, and Imperial County continues to have the highest at 25.2%. Um, so, you know, things locally are, are looking good. And we always talk about San Luis Obispo being a, a little more insulated, um, from some of the, the economic troubles that we've seen, you know, whether it be real estate or jobs, uh, we always look a little bit better than the, the national figures. Um, the, so just for, for other comparisons here, the state unemployment rate, uh, for California in October was 8.3%. And then again, the national unemployment rate was reported this month at 7%. So um, locally here, we're looking pretty good. Um, I wanted to switch gears and... Do it, Dan. Change gears. Talk about spending. Spending is okay. a huge part of our economy. Consumer spending um, estimated to be around 70% of our total economic activity um, of course, this is this is where spending gets highlighted here. This is the, the shopping season. This is where a lot of retailers might actually get out of the black for the year, right? Or get into the black for the year. Um, we love to spend. That's right. We, we love do. to spend. Were you? Uh, did you take advantage of any doorbuster deals? I did a little uh, online shopping. Okay, you're a Cyber Monday kind of guy. Yeah, and those actually those numbers were were really good. Cyber Monday sales <clears throat> surged 19 percent from 2012. Um, with mobile traffic accounting for 30%, so I think I was uh, I was part of that uh, part of that. Um, but yeah, I did uh, I did a little shopping, but nothing. You didn't, that, you I didn't actually camp out. Didn't you didn't like, like take your trip to Finn, nap, and then go go no. buy a TV. No, no? I was not All one right. of those out on the sidewalk with the sleeping bag, <laughs> trying to save ten dollars on that DVD. That's Were you, not... Jim? I well, I did a little <laughs> bit of Cyber Monday stuff. Okay, but, you know, I didn't hear anything this year about the big things going to like places like Walmart or, you know, or people like, you know, rushing the stores and stuff like that. Did they have the big, does it seem like they have as many big 
kind of come-ons this year? I think so. I thought stores? the big change this year was that stores were actually open Thanksgiving night. They were open overnight, yeah. um, which is different from past years where they open at like 3 and 4 in the morning or something. I did go to the Sears in Santa Maria on Thanksgiving night, not really because I wanted to, but we just happened to get some good deals. But um, but was, there a, sli- was there a sleeping bag involved? No. Did you stay the night? Actually, no. No. No, I would never do that. I'm not the camp out kind of guy. But um, Sears and San Marino was just, it was kind of more mellow and um, pretty organized, and uh, but good deals. Right. And so, and you know, Jim, it's urban story. camping. It's not like you're roughing it, really. No, I know that. I realize that. Okay. I like the roughing it kind of, but not, right. not camping out on a sidewalk in front of Sears. That's not, <laughs> not my idea. It's not camping. your thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, the like you said, the the numbers for Cyber Monday looked really good. Um, what we saw for the the Thanksgiving weekend, the Black Friday through Sunday, um, wasn't quite as good. the The numbers I saw, let's see, um, National Retail Federation spending, they were predicting that it was going to fall for the first time, down about three percent. Um, for those four days ending Sunday um, after Thanksgiving. But Cyber Monday might have made up for it. Perhaps more people are foregoing the sleeping bag in front of the store and just uh, hopping on their mobile device. Mobile device purchases were up quite a bit. I think about, I don't know, they, they accounted for 30-some percent of the, the online traffic on Cyber Monday. So more and more people are shopping from their phones or their iPads or... Um, whatever instead of I'm, I'm laughing because my dad who's in his late 60s just got a, a smartphone and so he was uh, he was sending me some text messages last night and he was <laughs> commenting how cool this was that i'm just talking and it's texting you so it's uh, yeah it's definitely a trend i mean <laughs> even grandpas are getting the smartphones and uh, and 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 doing their thing on the smartphones so huh. it's uh, it's i think it's the way yeah exactly less sleeping bags and it's much easier to do on your couch oh your phone yeah anything, i mean so. it's I, I think yeah i think more and more people are getting comfortable with um with purchasing online realizing that it is a secure way to buy um, I know that's always been a, a big hang-up for the older generation in, in my family anyway. They're a little uncomfortable putting their credit card info out there or whatever, but they're they're starting to warm up to that idea now. When we go shopping, that's basically what we do is we go shop and we find something that we like. Like my son just bought a pogo stick, and so we went to a, a, a local sporting goods store and we'll say which one it was and we saw the pogo stick for sixty dollars and we said well let's let's look at amazon real quick and we pulled it up same pogo stick delivered the next day for twenty dollars so and there's a lot of that going on i mean that uh, that happens this, this he's, he's spending his money though so i have right. to make sure that you're I'm definitely, I, I definitely support the local business all right because i'm sure. gonna have this is a great opportunity it was to... a national sports sporting <laughs> goods store if i can if i can throw that out there but i mean it, it 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 speaks to the fact that people are always looking for a good deal if it's sure if it's black monday or or black friday or <laughs> amazon prime whatever it is yeah um but it's just interesting how <clears> the, the consumers are purchasing now for sure it is a great reminder i'm, I'm glad that the topic came up um even though you're guilty of as of, charged for sure. of doing what I, I i encourage people not to do um you can often get great deals when you're when you're shopping online um i find that if you do a little bit of uh legwork not only will you 
burn off some calories walking around town, but you can also find pretty darn good deals at local stores. And um, the statistics show that if you spend your dollar locally, it will circulate the local economy about seven times over. Um, not the case when you buy from Amazon Prime. That's very true. Um, so it's nice whenever possible. I mean, saving 60-some percent on your pogo sticks is a pretty good deal. I, I, that's, I, I think that might be justified. But um, in general, if you can buy something locally, it's not only can you find usually a pretty similar deal, but um, you're, you're benefiting your local tax base and you're, you're providing local jobs helping keep those roads paved, all, all those kind of great services that we enjoy when you spend your dollar locally. So I'm, I'm definitely an advocate of that this holiday season. No more But it's okay. Stuff. I mean, a 60-something percent discount for, for that. I mean, that, that's a good deal. He just has more money now to spend at local businesses that he wouldn't have had to spend at local businesses. Very, like, uh, bingo. Good, good spin. Good spin. <laughs> I like it. It's an extra 40 bucks there. <laughs> you can go take the wife out, dinner or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> We did go to Crack Crab after that, if that counts. That's hey, okay. Okay, there we go. And you couldn't have done that had it exactly. not been for that great See? deal on the pogo See? stick. Although it was your son's money, so I, I'm finding a hole in your story here. Let's move on. Shifting <laughs> gears. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. We had we had another great report related to spending, and that's uh, initial reading of GDP for the third quarter. I think this is the initial reading. Might have been second reading. Um, anyways, the economy for the third quarter grew at an annual rate of 3.6%, which is pretty darn good considering the past several quarters we've had. Um, one of the notes here is that business businesses were contributing a healthy amount to that spending, um, stockpiling inventories. And that's something that's not likely to continue. Um, some of the economic experts are predicting that there may be a pullback in that as uh, as the fourth quarter continues on, and we might see spending hover, or I'm sorry, um, GDP hover more around the 2% range. Um, we like to see GDP closer to 3%. Um, so it's a, it's a nice number for the third quarter. Hopefully that sustains. Hopefully some of this... Uh, employment optimism leads to to better consumer spending numbers which leads to a better overall gdp um yet to be seen but i think uh things are looking looking better now and let's zoom out what does that mean for for interest rates in the general economy well it all comes back to the fed right mm -hmm, for sure fed's been spending a lot of money helping keep interest rates low and it's just a matter of time before they start backing off on that um, practice here and employment is the key metric. They've they've often cited six and a half percent unemployment as the the threshold for um, really dialing down the mortgage-backed securities and treasuries purchases. And we're getting we're getting closer to that number. A lot of speculation that as soon as this month, the December meeting, that they could announce some kind of change. I'm still in the camp that we're going to see some change not until the first quarter. Um, it yeah, just makes a lot of sense for a few different reasons. Yeah, I agree with that. The Fed's going to have some changes. Um, Janet Yelling's going to be taking over for Ben Bernanke. I, I think that they want to have some consistency heading uh, into the new year for sure. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's been a talking point really for the last six months of that tapering. And how long are we going to continue to spend $85 billion, uh, purchasing you know monthly financial assets? So... 
once uh, a lot of those uh, those short-term interest rate movements that we see on a weekly basis will have to do with that uh, with that talk and there'll be a headline or or someone will come out and um, mention something about tapering and then all of a sudden the next couple of days we'll see rates bump up so we're definitely sensitive to that and i think that's coming but from the things i think that- we've already seen it I, I think we've been seeing it this last few weeks right um we've seen that 10-year yield go from around two and a half to pushing up on three percent now right. and we've seen mortgage rates respond they've mortgage rates have have moved up a quarter to three-eighths of a point as well in the last few weeks um, so I think there's a lot of speculation right now and kind of tying back to your um, your charts that you were looking at leading up to this em- unemployment report, um, employment report, right? It's the unemployment rate, right? Right, exactly. Okay. Um, leading up to this employment report this week, we saw a lot of trading in anticipation of the news. And I think we're starting to see the same thing in anticipation of the Fed meeting coming up. Um, there's a... And this is one of those things where it's we don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but it, it it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Right. Is it going to be December, January, March? Who knows? Right. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen in the next few months. Um, I'm excited about it. I I know that in being in the mortgage business, it's nice to see rates low. That always helps business. Um, helps helps people you know qualify for more house and. And all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's great to have interest rates low. It's also great to be able to earn some interest on money that you have in the bank. Right. So that's one of the advantages of rates moving up a little bit. I'm just excited to get back to something a little more normal um, where our economy is standing on its own. Even if it's not the strongest it's ever been, I, I think I think we're, we're getting closer to, to being ready for, for that. Some normalcy there. Yeah. Um, okay. Good chat. We're going to... We're going to put this conversation on hold here for a moment. We are going to take a quick commercial break to thank the sponsors. When we come back, we are going to be joined by Dick and Narlene Keenan. Um, They are going to, well, we're going to learn a little bit more about them when they come on the air. Um, We're going to focus on real estate matters and uh, looking forward to that conversation coming up just after these messages from our sponsors. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. When you decide it's time for a new vehicle, you do your research. Then you comb the internet and the dealerships for the best offer. So when you're shopping for a home loan, why would you only get one quote? Central Coast Lending would like to remind you that no one has ever lost money from a second opinion. So before you sign, let Central Coast Lending give you a quote. We work with multiple banks to find the right loan for you, and more often, than not, our rates and fees are the lowest you'll find. Give us a call today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. 
A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. It's the most wonderful time of the with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the half happiest season of all. Ah, Christmas music. Really puts you in the mood. It's a great time of year. I do love Thanksgiving, but Christmas is pretty cool, too. It's a time to spend with family and friends. I, I don't get to see my family too often, being from Sacramento, so I get to make my way on up to Sacramento and uh, spend a little bit of time with, with my mom and dad and aunts and uncles and all that good stuff. I like it. Um, welcome back. We are joined now by... Dick Keenan and Narlene Carter Keenan. I've been saying Narlene Keenan, and I left out the Carter. I apologize. That's okay. Okay. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's <laughs> good to be here. Is Thanks this for the invite? You're very welcome. Um, we like to. Um, we've we've had a number of realtors on the show. Obviously, it fits right in in line with what we talk about here every week, um, and it's it's good to get new people on the show. Um, same reason we like to get some of our different loan officers on the show, just to get some different perspectives and focus on different areas of the county because our county, I believe, is so unique um, when it comes to, to real estate that it's it's hard to, to look at real estate in, in San Luis Obispo County as a whole. You, you need to kind of drill down in these in, in the different cities to really understand what's going on in the micro markets around the county. So it's great to have you guys on. Um, I wanted to, um, well, is this your first time on the radio? Yes, it's my first time. Okay. We'll I've, go easy on you. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been lucky enough to uh, 
to be interviewed by a couple different people, but uh, not very often. Okay. Well, Good um, Morning America. Yeah, that's America. what I read. I, I was I was pretty nervous coming onto the show today, thinking I I don't know why I was going to get drilled, but. Um, no, it's uh yeah, those were the good old days. <laughs> so <laughs> it sounds film, like we had a film crew following us around. Oh, really? Good Morning America. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What was the uh, what was the premise of that interview? Where back in uh, 2008, we were real strong in the REO market and the foreclosures, and oh, cool. we had heard of an idea of these guys, you know, gathering groups of people instead of just showing one person at a time these bank-owned properties. We'd fill a bus up oh wow so we filled the bus up and we did it for about a you know nine months or a year or so and we got a little bit of publicity from the local market and then they picked it up internationally and followed us around and and they really try to want to make it a tweak the story a little bit more than i mean the, the direction of what we were actually doing so we found ourselves kind of backstepping you know after they did all the filming and so forth but uh anyway the story ended up coming coming out great and it was on good morning america oh cool mm-hmm. That's great. Um, well, I wanted to just, you know, really quickly get a little bit of background from both of you, find out how you got into real estate, how long you've been in real estate, um, just anything that you'd like to share just to introduce yourselves and have our audience get familiar with you. Well, I grew up at, um, here locally in the hospitality industry and decided I didn't want to stay in the hospitality industry my whole life. So I got my real estate license in 1987. So you've been doing real estate since then? I have. So you've seen a few cycles come and go? I've seen a few cycles, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great. I I feel like I lack that perspective sometimes. Um, I, I don't feel like I've seen a normal market yet. I, I got into the mortgage business um, after graduating from Cal Poly in 2001. I got into the mortgage business in 2002. And it seems like it's been extreme great and and bad and i've i've never seen normal so i'm i'm kind of looking forward to what the future has i i'm hope i'm hoping that it's going to be normal um dick how about you what's tell me a little bit about your background you know what i'm a local boy here i grew up in morro bay in cambria and then went to school at cal poly and did a stint over in bakersfield as a real estate appraiser and then actually moved over here in 85 or 87 and then uh, started selling houses since uh, 1987 so i've been here you know, selling houses right there in South County since then and been able to <clears throat> build up a clientele and and we really enjoy it. You know, and then in uh, uh, early 2000 or so, we, Narlene and I got together and we actually formed a team and I think we formed the team first or we got married first? We formed the team first. Okay. <laughs> got to make sure the team works before you <laughs> commit long term, right? <laughs> That's great. Um, so you market yourselves as the, as the, um, Keenan Carter Group, is that right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And you're affiliated with Keller Williams? We are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we have uh, a couple of assistants and uh, a buyer's agent. And uh, so that makes up our team. And like you said, fluctuating over from year to year, we've had a bigger team and a smaller team, you know, depending on the, on the, uh, where we're at in the economy. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't have an interview plan, but, you know, you, you sparked my interest just with your longevity in the real estate industry. So I'm, I'll, I'll hit you with a big question right out of the gate here. Um, looking forward, assuming that rates are going to gradually rise and, and knowing what we've been through and, you know, we're kind of lacking inventory, but I think builders are starting to build again. I, I know they are. There's, we're starting to see that activity and, and new homes come on the market. What do you see for, you know, the next three to five years um, as far as real estate trends, 
I know we've we've come out we're 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 coming out or maybe still experiencing these rapid appreciations right now. Some people are talking about bubbles. I'm not particularly a, a believer of that. I think it's really just a lack of supply at the moment, but I think things will level off um, as rates gradually rise and we're, we'll get into what I think will be normal. I'm curious to get your take on it because you, you have more experience than I. Um, just kind of curious to get your take. Well, <clears throat> I think there's been cycles in real estate if you go back and take a look at history and just my own career if you went back when i got into it the market peaked in 1990 and what a coincidence five years later it hit the bottom in 1995 and then it went from 1995 all the way up to 2006 uh, uh, let's call it so there's a 10 years the 10 years and then what a coincidence from 2006 to 2012 there's six years so it seems to be a trend of up 10 down six up 10 down six so where are we at now if we're uh, up in it to it too maybe we still have five or six more years of uh of appreciation i don't think that we're going to see the appreciation that we saw in 2013 but i think that uh, i think we'll see a graduate gradual more normal a little bit more stabilized uh, market to where buyers don't have to jump right this second maybe they can actually think about it overnight so they don't have to get uh, gobbled up by the buyer right behind them is and that's a good point i are you still seeing that kind of atmosphere out there where it's where it's just ultra competitive and and people have to make pretty hasty decisions or has that cooled off a little bit we're still seeing multiple offers especially in the in the pri price ranges of 500,000 and less that it's such a tight inventory that we are seeing multiple offers and buyers are having to think quick. Are you, if you take a look at the, uh, the statistics, it shows the houses that are priced properly. They're selling within 98% of the asking price and they're selling within days. But you have the ones that maybe um, are trying to get a little, little bit more value out of their house than maybe that the market is bearing. And those houses that are on the market for 90 or 120 days, they're only getting 95, 96% of the asking price and they're taking longer to sell. So there is a, there's two, there's several groups of, of sellers, some of them who want to sell right away and sell up some of them who don't need to sell right away. And that's indicative of, of what's going to happen to the house. If it's priced real, real good, you're going to see multiple offers in, in a short period of time. Are you, um, are you seeing buyers mostly coming in with financing or are we still seeing a lot of the, the cash buyers in, in this market? There's a lot of cash. A lot of cash? I'll have a cash buyer in my car this afternoon. Wow. And I'm curious price range that they're looking at. Five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand. In Arroyo Grande. Wow. <laughs> Single level. <laughs> Anybody have one coming up? <laughs> yeah. See, that's a that's a tough price bracket. I mean, across the county, really, it's it, there's not a lot of that inventory available. That's what everyone's looking for. That's um, that's what's affordable for a lot of the county. Um, there was a, a really interesting article. I'm not sure if you caught it in the last Sunday's Tribune, talking of it, it was just kind of comparing. Um, what the median priced home in the different areas of the county would, would get you. And in, in Pismo Beach, it was one of the lesser affordable areas. Um, median price in, in San Luis Obispo County is now around 487000 And in Pismo Beach, that would get you um, maybe a three-bedroom, two-bath home in some areas. Uh, other neighborhoods, maybe not even that much. Um, kind of depends on on what neighborhood you're looking at. So I, if, if we're in for, you know, five, six more years of, of price appreciation, 
appreciation, even if it's more modest, what does that mean for affordability for folks? Does that mean a lot of people are just unable to obtain, you know, ownership of, of housing in our area? Well, I think the the, mar the market has changed. Um, um, and you probably read in that article how the affordability has changed. Has has uh, the affordability factor has actually gone up, meaning that it's less affordable now than it was a year or two ago. Um, last year, we had a whole bunch of cash buyers that were that were just buying property out from underneath agents, eight uh, buyers, because the prices were so so competitive and they were so good. Now, I think we're seeing uh, less cash buyers because the discounted properties, there are not as many discounted properties, REO properties, and we're seeing more of the regular folks just trying to get into the marketplace. And so uh, right now, uh, like Norlene said, that we've, we've got a lot of cash buyers, but there's a lot of people coming in with 10% uh, FHA um, just trying to get in the marketplace. Do you, in, in the Pismo area, are you seeing... is a lot of second home buyers, investment property, or are you seeing people who are looking to buy homes for their families? We haven't seen too many of the second home buyers yet, but they'll be coming back. Yeah. And that was primarily Pismo Beach, you know, because a lot of the people from Tulare, Bakersfield, Fresno, they love walking on the beach. Uh, they probably do it more than we do, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Take it for but, granted when it's in your backyard, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But that market will, will come back. It hasn't come back real, real strong yet, but as the economy improves, uh, we'll see a lot more, more of those buyers. Yeah, I know. Um, that, that's a big s segment out where I live. I live in Morro Bay, and uh, Morro Bay is actually one of the few cities in the county that's actually seen some, some declines as far as um, activity and values just because it's so heavily weighted in the second home, um, you know, type of, of buyer and they haven't come back quite yet. They're, they're not ready to jump back into the market. Um, so it's good that I think Pismo's got a little more diversity as far as buyers go helps. And we're, when you say Pismo, we're talking, we're talking primarily the five cities area okay. consisting of, you know, Royal Grande, Grover Beach, Oceano and, and Pismo Beach. And there's diversity in just those cities. You know, oh, you yeah. got Pismo Beach, who is the second uh, high, highest in the county in, in a price per square foot. You know, and then you have Royal Grande and then Grover Beach and then you have Oceano, which in some days or some weeks, you know, there are uh, the lowest price per square foot in the county. Yeah. Oceano, at least in this article that I read, was was identified as one of the more affordable um, communities in the county. So that's that's an opportunity, I guess, for for a first time home buyer to maybe jump into the market. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, do you when you work with um, buyers, do you do or I, I should say first time home buyers, do you um, spend time educating them as far as, you know, what owning a home really means, what paying property taxes and, all, <laughs> you know, factoring in some of those other costs? <laughs> we do. We do. We do a lot of counseling in real estate. You do a lot of counseling. Yeah, I, I know um, we end up doing that a lot on the mortgage side, too, because people always are talking the numbers with us, the payment. And and it, it's hard because there's there's a lot of knowns, but there's a lot of unknowns, too. When when you own a home, there's there's maintenance and there's, um, you know, you're, you're spending a lot of your time at home. And so there's <laughs> there's those things you have to factor in, too, into home ownership. But um, it's. You know, for our county, where it is a, a tougher place to afford a home, um, given the job opportunities around here, I, I think you have to be, you have to have more of a plan if, you know, if your dream is to get into that four-bedroom 
home and right now you can only afford the two or three bedroom, you have to have a plan on, on how to get in, save, build equity, and then you know trade up. And eventually you can achieve that, that dream that you have to get into that, that bigger family forever home that, that you want to be in. But it comes with a plan. It comes with education from, you know, realtors and, and loan officers and, and people are going to help you along the way. It's funny that you talk about that because you'll have some buyers who want the house. It's absolutely completely redone. It's got the new granite countertops. It's got the new vinyl windows, the new carpet and the paint. And then you have the other ones who are saying, well, I, I can't afford that. So let me go ahead and let me put in the granite countertops and, the, and, and they go in and fix it up themselves. And that's where the sweat equity and that's where the, the opportunity lies for the first time home buyer. Sure. Um, so in the past several years, we've seen a lot of people jump in with cash. Are you seeing those same properties now come back onto the market because they did, um, they're doing like flip type things or are you seeing that? Or are you seeing some of the, the, a lot of the properties that were bought at great deals these last four years or so remain with the buyers that, that bought them? Or do you have a good handle on that? The people that are, are and were buying them as flips are still flipping them. And the idea is to turn them as quickly as you can. The home buyer that bought it to live in and fix it up, I wouldn't call that a flip necessarily. Um, and we are seeing those because they're able to move up now. Okay, so they, they are you know following the plan and turning into those move up buyers. Yes, which we've actually had some of those this year, which we haven't had move up buyers in a long time. So that makes it nice. Yeah, yeah, we're, I mean, countywide, the... The numbers that I'm seeing, we're starting to see more activity in that mid and upper um, price range, which is great. That's been a kind of a stagnant um, price range for a while as, as everyone's looking for deals. And now, you know, part of this returning to normal, the new normal, um, we're, we're starting to finally see that. And I'm excited for it. And that we are seeing. We're seeing more uh, of the upper end properties selling. For instance, in the South County, in the Five Cities area, the average sales price uh, in November was um, 540000 That was the average. But the median price is four forty-eight. So what that means is, is that because of the average, that there's more of the upper-end houses that are actually selling. So in the last six months, about 15 houses in the Rio Grande area have sold over a million dollars. And there's about six or eight of them that are currently in escrow. And last year, there was very few houses that were selling over a million dollars. So we're seeing a lot more activity in the higher and the higher price range. That means move-up buyers or the economy is changing and, and people are retiring and being able to have uh, you know, a substantial amount of uh, you know, money to bring into. We're seeing some houses sell out across from Tally and um, Las Ventanas uh, over a million dollars. And so uh, there's more houses over a million dollars. And as a matter of fact, right now in Pismo Beach, half of the market that's on the market in Pismo Beach is over a million dollars. Wow. Wow. Half of the active inventory. That's interesting. Um, I've never really heard anyone compare the median to the average. We talk about median a lot because that's what gets a lot of the, the headlines. That's that's what a lot of the appreciation numbers are based on is that median price. And medians, you know, we, we try to remind listeners a lot that median, you have to understand what median is. It's the middle sale. Out of 100, it's number 50. Mm -hmm. It's not your average. And that's that's interesting when you compare average to median. That kind of tells you that you're you're being skewed by some higher end. You know, when you see that kind of disparity there, you're you're really being skewed by by a few big sales in the area. It's the, pretty crazy that half the properties are million dollars plus. Just in the city of Pismo Beach. Okay. Yeah. 
But the really, to really make that thing, uh, uh, make the numbers look wild, is if you look at the average price in a Royal Grande, it's, um, it's like $900,000. Well, that's not true because there's one house in a Royal Grande that's listed at $21 million. Uh. And so then it, t it really skews that average, uh, average price. Yeah. Um, how is how is the state of building in South County? Are you, are you seeing new construction? Are you, um, new projects just breaking ground? What do you see there? We're seeing a few projects, a few bigger projects, one on um, uh, South 16th Street in Grover Beach, and then there's another one off of Cortland in Arroyo Grande. And then we're seeing um, all of our old builders are coming out of the woodwork wanting land. Oh, yeah. We're getting calls daily from our old clients. They're they're asking you what kind of land's available? Yeah. And we're not talking single lots. We're talking development. We're types. talking, well, they'd, they'd look at anything, but mostly at single lots. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is there a lot of that available? A lot of no. inventory? <laughs> it's hard to finance, I know. From a financing perspective, lot loans are still a little challenging. We're starting to see that money come back in. I know we have a, a one um, outlet for lot financing. They require... A pretty hefty down payment. I know some of the local banks may be a little more aggressive in that um, the lot financing area. I think maybe as little as twenty percent down. I've heard from some local banks. Um, anywhere from twenty to forty is kind of what gets you in on a on a single lot. When you start talking development, um, that's a, a more, whole another enchilada. A little more speculative, <laughs> and it's uh, those are harder to come by. Mm -hmm. um, and we're seeing uh, a lot of the guys that were flipping houses. Um, that were buying houses at the trustee sale. Now there's less and less REOs, less and less houses uh, that are being auctioned off at the courthouse steps. And so they're now have, have a lot of cash. And so they're looking for lots to try to just do a project on a commercial project or, or something just to keep their money active. Do you have people approaching you looking for new construction? When, you know, buyers, when buyers are coming to you, are they, you know, I only want to see new construction or are most people pretty open to? Most people are pretty open. A few people want, you know, brand new, but, you know, we don't really have much brand new sitting there ready to sell right now. Yeah. I've talked to a few builders locally um, and they, they get those kind of calls a lot. You know, what are you working on? When's it going to be done? Yeah. <laughs> we want to buy now and we want new yeah. and it's hard to find anywhere really. It is. It is, but a lot of these flip houses, you know, they've the they're investors new, have they? are they're nearly <laughs> new and they're pretty nice. Yeah, um, I'm always partial to a an older home with character, but older homes come with their own set of challenges sometimes. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, we 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 look uh, a lot at the national numbers um, as far as home sales and. Like I'm looking at the October new home sales surged 26% to 440,000 um, above the expected 420. So uh, obviously we like to to talk about the national numbers, but then also want to look at you know more locally. Um, and so we talked about the appreciation that we're seeing. So are we seeing a lot less investors coming in purchasing homes now because prices are maybe less affordable from an investment standpoint? They're less discounted. Right. You're right. Absolutely right. And there's they're more uh, there's less of an opportunity because the appreciation was so strong. So they don't see that the appreciation is going to be so near as big um, or they're having to pay more of a retail rather than a wholesale price when they when they buy them, even for cash. Right. Exactly. So looking more, we talked about sort of that five year window. 
I've heard a lot and read a lot recently about sort of almost a perfect storm coming into this next spring and summer where rates are still going to be at a very low historic rate, obviously, which creates a lot of affordability. Um, so what are you seeing just over the next six months as far as or what are you expecting, um, you know, your business to look like over the next six months? Well, we hope it at least remains stable. It seems like the market stabilized out out. Um, quite a bit right now. At the beginning of, of the year, like in April and May and June, it's like gangbusters. Something right? on the market. <laughs> it's, it, you have three offers, and you're thinking to yourself, you priced it competitively <laughs> based upon everything else. Where's everybody coming from? And then now it's changed just a little bit. Um, I think that, that the buyers are a little bit more um, methodical about their decisions. Right. Um, and so to answer your question, to go into next year, I think it'll stay a little bit more stable. I think that we will have a little bit, uh, this is my guess, is I think that we'll have uh, maybe appreciation in, you know, in the 6 7% range com compared to what we saw earlier this year. Um, and I think that we're going to see a few more sales, but I don't think it's going to go gangbusters to where we see 20% more sales. Right. Because the investors are not in the market as much. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think uh, just from what I'm reading, you guys spoke to this as well, is it seems like a lot of people that are looking to sell their home. I mean, it's an investment, obviously. And if they're seeing that appreciation every month after month, you know, it, it, it slows them down a little bit of putting their home on the market when they realize, you know, six months ago, we would have sold for $50,000 less than what we could sell for right now. So I think a lot of that is, uh, we're seeing a lot of that in the markets. Historically, this time of year seems to be a little bit slower. Obviously, the holidays, people are focused on, you know, the things that they're going to be doing with their families. Are you seeing a lot of that now, or are you still seeing a lot of activity because of the low inventory? Um, actually, uh, as far as inventory goes, back in September, um, there was uh, probably quite a bit more inventory, but the last in November there was actually a huge decrease in the inventory. I can't give a reason for that, but I really think that as the buyers, I mean, as the sellers see the markets continue to creep up, it starts to get to that point where um, where they're saying, "Hey, this is the value that I was willing to sell at," and I think we'll see more of those people coming on the market. Okay, that makes sense. We are getting kind of close here to the uh, top of the hour break. We get forced out. We don't choose to take the break. We have to. It's uh, part of the program. I did want to um, give you both an opportunity just to share your contact info. I know there's a lot of people out there. They might be a little shy on calling in, but we, we do have a lot of people listening. And uh, if they like what they're hearing and want to get a hold of you to talk about real estate um, in your area, how would they get a hold of you? Our phone number is 805-773-7711. And your website is keenancartergroup.com? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. We have a couple different websites. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that's just one of many ways to get a hold of, uh, of Dick and Narlene. We are going to take a, about a five-minute break here. We'll be back with another half-hour um, talking about real estate in the South County. Look forward to having you back after this short break. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. 
While the merry bells keep ringing, happy holiday to you. Here we are, it's 11.05, December 7th. It's a great day to get out and do some Christmas shopping. It's kind of chilly, you might want to catch a movie too. Lots of fun things to do around here. I think we figured out that that Vine Street Parade up in Paso's next weekend. We now know that the Lighted Boat Parade in Morro Bay is next weekend. I'll check that. I know that. I got an email yesterday. Uh, from the chamber down there. How about South County? What's going on down there? Well, I think they had the uh, snow brought in last night down in um, Pismo Beach for the Holiday Harmony. And, cool. uh, and then this morning we had the uh, Grover yeah. Beach uh, Christmas Parade. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an annual thing? It is. It is. We're part of the uh, Grover Beach Rotary, and, and we're usually down there uh, at the start, uh, lining up all the floats and all the bands and stuff like that. So. Did you have to miss it this year? We did miss it this ah, year. Ah, <laughs> sorry. We'll do a better we'll job. We'll get fine, though, not to worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. I like all the local celebrations. I know last night Slow had their annual parades. There's, it's just Christmas season's here. It's great. Um, we have an article on our website centralcoastlending.com because it's the season of giving there are so many opportunities to help the loved ones in your life achieve home ownership with a gift um, a lot of loan programs allow gifts from relatives uh, for down payment whether it's FHA conventional um, there, there's a lot of opportunities to help a family member get into a house and sometimes that's what it takes to buy a house around here. You need that uh, that head start in order to um, get into the market. Um, we're spending a lot of time talking about South County real estate today. Um, throughout the five cities there are some affordable areas down there. Oceano has been identified as a, a more affordable area. We have affordable areas up in the North County and Coast as well. Um, there's also luxury markets uh, in the South County. So depending on on where you're looking, there there's different opportunities depending on your income level. According to the um, U.S. Census Bureau, a buyer would need to earn around $100,000 a year to afford the median-priced home in our county. I was kind of backing into those numbers, thinking that given where interest rates are today, assuming you know. If $500,000 home, a 20% down payment. Um, that puts you at roughly 25, maybe 30% debt to income ratio. In the mortgage world, we can get buyers approved up to 45 to 50, sometimes even a little bit higher debt to income ratios. So um, depending on how comfortable you are with um, with the uh, your housing payment as a percentage of your overall income, you can maybe even qualify for a little more home or qualify for that median home with a lesser income level, something lower than $100,000. Um, but that's something that you know is, is a personal decision based, you know, that you'll make based on the numbers. Um, so I guess I always have a question when I'm looking at various areas. I, I really like real estate. I'll go around, drive neighborhoods, pull flyers, and I'm always keeping an eye out for my mom. She someday wants to move down uh, to this area. She, she lived down here in the mid-70s. 
and and loved it. I grew up hearing about the the Central Coast, and I know she would always like to make her way back to the Shell Beach area in particular. Tough area to afford. Um, Grandma's not moving in with you? Heck no. (laughs) (laughs) I did my time. I mean, I enjoyed it, Mom. I enjoyed it a lot, and uh, I'm so thankful for the the roof you provided for me. Um, but no, I, I think I'm, I'm good right now living in separate homes. I, I enjoy that a lot too. Um, besides I live in Morro Bay and she'd rather be in Shell Beach. Shell Beach, it seems like to buy the, the, you know, just a very modest home in Shell Beach, you're going to spend seven, $800,000. I'm curious, you know, to get that beach feel down in, in the South County, where does one look? Um, if, if they're looking more for that median priced home, is there an, an option? Are, are you looking in Grover? Um, do you have to go to Oceano? You can find, um, homes in Grover beach where you can walk to the water and in some cases actually see the water. But once you get into Pismo beach or shell beach, if you have a view or even no view down in, in actually in shell beach, no view, but you're close to the water, you'll pay a premium. People want their views. Uh, yes, they do. Views and access to the water. Yes. All right. And in yes. Pismo Beach, in the city of Pismo Beach, there's only like five, six houses below $750,000. Wow. And where in, in Pismo, where are those located? Those on the east side of the highway? Uh, primarily. And there's some, some we, this is grouped with uh, PUDs too, some, maybe some twin houses and, and so forth. For instance, we just sold a two-bedroom, two-bath on uh, on white oak yes and what it sell for 385 385 oh wow that That was an an attached home so a twin home and no view but you're in pismo beach yeah still i mean condos in pismo are going for (laughs) a lot of money so i mean anything under four hundred thousand, i feel like in this county is an opportunity um for for someone to get into their first home maybe do you primarily work with buyers or sellers we primarily work with the sellers. Okay. But we do have a very, um, very good uh, buyer's agent. So um, it's really tough for us to be be running around with buyers and then trying to service the sellers at the same time. So Narlene and I focus primarily on the on the seller aspect to market the properties and try to get them sold in the, in the time that they need them sold in at the price that they need them uh, sold at. And then we have a buyer's agent who is able to... Uh, to uh, uh, take the buyers and show them the properties they're looking for. Are our sellers pretty aggressive on their timelines and things like that? Are you finding most people, I mean, traditionally a, a sale occurring within 60 to 90 days is normal and, and a good timeline. Are you finding a lot of sellers are wanting to sell sooner? Do they have a, an agenda? They need to buy something. They're putting more pressure on you to sell it quickly. Or I'm curious to, I don't I know that like there's a no trend or trend. Anything. It's just dependent on on the yeah. seller. When they sell fast, it sure is less stressful for the seller because they don't have people traipsing through their house uh, incessantly for you know several months on end. So when it sells within the first couple of weeks, everybody's a little calmer and happier. But is that does that impact your um, pricing strategy? The the timeline? No, we we just do our pricing based on what the comparable sales are. 
Okay. And it's not uncommon to see the best offer is the first or first offer that comes in. You know, so if you miss or you counter and you don't get that that uh, that buyer that comes through because the buyers go through and they're looking for the next buyer right behind them, hoping to say, hey, this is perfect for us. And if it's perfect for us, there's got to be another buyer that's perfect for them too. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and write a real strong offer um, uh, to to make it go away so until we can get the property. I always, I mean, there, with relatively limited supply in, in any of the areas of our county, it seems like pricing is so important because you know, the, the folks that are out looking right now, I know, you know, in our business, we have so many people who've been pre-qualified and are waiting to find that home. So the minute something new pops up, they're looking at it. And if, if it is that right home for them, they're, they're ready to make an offer and, and something that they think would, would get them that home. So if you price kind of out of, of where you should be, if, if you're a little too um, optimistic of, of what your home could sell for, someone's going to just kind of pass over and then even when you reprice the home, you're not you're not new on the market, so you might not get the same number of eyeballs on the house again. So pricing on your initial uh, listing seems to be very critical. And the buyers are really sophisticated these days. You know, obviously they can go on the internet and look at a variety of different websites to see what's currently on the market. And of course, the most recent things are the apps that are on your phones. And so if they're sitting in front of a house, we have an app that we can provide uh, buyers or sellers, and it's right on their phone. They touch it and says clicks, uses GPS fi- uh, feature, and it tells you the, the exact price of the house that you're sitting in front of. And then you can flip through it and look at all the photographs of it. Oh. And then you can look at all the nearby houses, too, so you know, immediately know whether or not the value is, is within range or not. So is that, really a, m- is that a Keller Williams app, or is that specific to your group? We have a Keller Williams app that okay. is uh, it's very cool, to tell you the truth. Yeah. If I could tell a story about that. Sure. Uh, we had a client that was um, her husband went into, into the bank, and she had just received this app. And she's just messing around with it and waiting for her husband to come out out of the bank. And um, uh, coincidentally, she saw something that was only a few blocks away from here, and it was actually a couple of a uh, couple of lots. So she uh, said, "Well, let's go check those things out." And sure enough, they bought those lots. Wow! Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's amazing what you can do. I'm telling you, <laughs> mobile. It's the future. Pogo sticks and <laughs> land. <laughs> you get it all. Um, Let's see here. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought. That was, uh, yeah. I've I've long wondered if we should do an app. I don't know how exciting it is to calculate your mortgage rate. There's already stuff like that. There's a lot of those online yeah. for sure. Yeah, our our app's got the calculation on there too. So there's a variety of different things. Yeah. But, uh, it right. took a long, took over a year, year and a half for them to actually develop an app that was uh, n- something different than all the other apps that were out there. I was curious when you um, were talking about working primarily with sellers, but you have a buyer's agent. It, it brought a thought into my mind that when I see um, when I see the the realtor representing both a buyer and seller, I'm curious to get your take on that issue. It's always something that I feel it's it's a tough position to to represent both and to really um, you know keep both parties' best interests in mind how do you feel about that i I mean i could tell by your business that you've chosen to really just focus on one side is that because you 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 see any problems with that no i don't see any problems with that i've done new home sales where you represent probably 80 percent of the houses that are sold are sold from the track office and so um and that was in the uh 
oh gosh, early 90s. So I, I learned early on, you know, to, to work both sides and work both sides fairly. The reason that we expanded our team and have a buyer's agent, we've had as many as three buyer's agents working with us at the same time. Uh, we, right now we have one, but it's to enable us to have flexibility and more time with our own families. Um, there's just not enough hours in the day for to be showing properties and you know facilitating the sellers to to our best capability and it, it reality is that 90 98 percent of the houses probably that's a guess but 98 percent of the houses that are sold are usually sold by a different firm or a different agent sometimes it's the same firm and then that's still considered dual agency you may not be representing the buyer yourself but mm -hmm. it may be somebody in your office that represents the buyer that's still a dual agency um uh but the reality is is that there's very few properties that we actually sell ourselves our own listings. I know some buyers think that if they reach out to the listing agent that there's an opportunity to get a better deal because they have the opportunity to earn both sides of the commission. Do you get a lot of calls from from buyers on on your own listings trying to not get very that often. sweet deal? Yeah, not very <laughs> often. But if we feel that that the client that it's not in, in everyone's best interest, we'll refer that buyer if it came, if we felt like it was going to be a problem. Okay. I think ease to information is probably important as well. I mean, the, it, there's that conflict when, you know, that, that purchase price is sort of floating and with access to so much information, like you were talking about with these apps and, and to, to previously sold homes and it's it's easier i think to identify sort of that range i think that range is maybe a little bit tighter now going into it versus you know maybe years ago when it was more difficult to find those comparable sales and you were just sort of plucking a number maybe out of not thin air obviously but but from maybe the buyer's perspective the seller's perspective they didn't have maybe all that information to substantiate that price where now with all the information you probably have the buyer and the seller probably in a pretty close range to begin with so there's some common ground that can be found there because there's comparables out there yeah so the house right down the street just sold for four hundred thousand dollars you know yours is not going to be worth six hundred thousand right yeah. right with the market that we're seeing now and and such low inventory and we talked about you know the the homes not being on the market as long as they used to be and coming in you know at 98 percent um full full offer price um, are you seeing maybe when you sit down initially with someone where their expectations are a little bit higher because they're saying, hey, we've seen this appreciation. And I know from from doing refinance transactions, people always, you know, that initial question, well, what's your home worth? That that can often be skewed from reality because it's their home. You know, they live there. So how do you how do you handle that? Um, and do you see a lot of that in this market where homes are selling so quickly and people want to get the most that they can? Well, first of all, the 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 ninety eight percent is usually if it's priced right, right. And so the overall number of uh, percentage is probably ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. So it, because it includes those that are on the market for one hundred and twenty days. But when it's, when the seller comes up to us and say, you know, I see that all the comparables are at four hundred thousand dollars, but I want to list mine at four hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. They at I, at this point in time, I can say you will probably get that. However, it may be next summer. Are you okay with that? Right. Yeah. Right. And what, what's more, most convenient for you? Do you want to do you want to move within 30 days or do you want to move next summer, next summer? 
Right. Creating those expectations. And then, like you said, counseling, you know, and giving information is, is key for sure. So it's good. And it's, then, then, then you listed at 425 and somehow it may sell. Or then again, you listed them at 400 and you say, why isn't this selling? Right. So I wish it was uh, I wish it was a science. It's, well, I it's think it's not important, a science anymore. Like Dan was saying, I think it's important to pick that right price because you, you only get that first chance to make that first impression. And if it's too high and everyone's looking at it, it kind of falls off their radar because, again, they're, they, they, they've already sort of marked that as something that they can't afford or they're not interested at that price. And then they're looking at things that come on the market newer. So I think that that's probably... Looking at it, you know, from the buyer's or the seller's perspective, they want to get as much as they possibly can, but you definitely have to caution from uh, from putting that highest price out there right off the bat, for sure. It makes sense. We have had the opportunity to work on a couple of, <clears throat> excuse me, on a couple of deals out of town, a um, couple in the Sacramento area. Um, we've got a buyer looking in the Bay Area right now as well, and a pricing strategy that we have seen used around here, but we're still seeing it used often in the bigger cities is underprice the home and create a bidding war. That doesn't seem to be happening here as much, at least I'm not aware of it. Um, would you ever advise someone to do that? What do you think are the pros and cons of that kind of pricing strategy? We've never, We've discussed the, that approach, but I don't know that we've ever done that uh, on purpose. Um, uh, because if if there's a, you know, statistics showing that it's worth so much money per square foot or so much value based upon the other other comparables, we'll usually, um, you know, interview the client and see what's what what are their goals, and to reach their goals, um, we try to price it at what we think it'll ultimately sell for. But like back in April, we, we were doing that and we we're getting multiple offers for higher than the asking price. And so it wasn't a strategy. It was just the market. Okay. <laughs> we did do that one, with one property up at Cypress Ridge several years ago. And we, we brought it in and the, and the seller wanted to market it this way. So that's how, why we did it. We got two offers that were at about the list price, which was probably 100000 less than what it was really worth. And we only got one offer that was actually acceptable. So you don't, you don't think, why do you think that's happening in bigger cities? Why, do, why are we seeing these, these bidding wars, these multiple offers, the underpricing strategy? Does, do you think some real, you know, in these bigger cities are thinking there's enough people that they can, you know, get something above and beyond what it's, what it's maybe worth? I, I don't think they have enough housing in the big cities. They're just taking advantage of the lack of, of inventory and I think so. Feeding yeah. them. We have a friend up there that, who's a real estate broker and she was telling us about a condo that she comped it all out worth 750,000 and uh, within within 3 or 4 days she had offers over a million. So when you have the house next door that just sold for 750 and so you advise the seller if you want to sell it sell it at 750 and then you get these silly offers over a million dollars it's like they didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> We're in a um, networking group with agents around the state of California, and we meet quarterly. And when we meet with these people, these other agents, you know, in these big cities quarterly throughout the year, it's it's astonishing that, you know, 28 offers on one property. And like Diggs said, you know, two and 300,000 over the asking price. It's It mind boggles us because we're just here in slow county. <laughs> yeah, I've... 
you know, another Bay Area buyer I can think of earlier this year trying to buy a home <laughs> that's listed, I think it was around 700,000, made an offer of 900,000, didn't get the house. I mean, it's incredible what, what's happening in the bigger cities where it's just so competitive. Um, it's, it's nice to know that around here, the list price is reasonably close to what the home is worth and what it's probably going to sell for. So you don't have to, I, I don't know. I always feel like it puts the, you know, some buyers almost out of desperation will overpay. And, and it's unfortunate that they're put in that position where, you know, it's, I, I always, almost do that out of, out of being exhausted because yeah. they've already written four other offers and they're saying, well, let's try this one. Yeah. But that happened a lot during April, May, June, July and stuff like that. But we're not seeing that, uh, at least in our neck of the woods, um, so much this time of the year. Well, and I think the good news for those folks who maybe got into that position is that because of of the sustained activity in, in real estate, they've probably, even if they maybe overpaid a little bit, they've they've realized the benefit now of, of being in the home for six or 12 or 18 months. The, the home's worth more now, and, and they probably have made up for any overpayment that they might have done. That's true. But unless it's cash and they've substantially paid over, um, we're having appraisal problems. So those are issues, too. Are you seeing a lot of appraisal issues? Yes. You are? Yes. I can't say that we've, we've experienced un too many. You're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Have, can you think of, of any? No, not that I can think of. The values seem to be there. So the appraisers seem to be doing a, a fairly good job of seeing what the purchase price is. And, and there, there are comparable souls out there that, that seem to justify it. But I mean, I can definitely see where there's areas where, you know, someone really wants that house. And they, you know, in situations like that, they do have to come up with some additional funds to get into it. But I mean, if you have cash buyers, that's uh, less of a concern, right? Because really, it's uh, it's really the values based on what you're willing to pay. That's right. So you probably like to drive around those cash buyers. Yes, I do. <laughs> so when you run into appraisal issues, what's the typical um, reaction? And are they trying to negotiate the sales price down? Or are they just having to come up with more money? Are they bailing on the transaction completely? All of the above, but you know, you get some some of these kids or you know young families that are just trying to get into their first home. They don't have the extra money to pull out of pocket, and not all sellers are going to come down on their price. Um, we had one where we wrote um, letters and um, they reviewed the the appraisal, and that appraiser changed his mind and brought it up. That's the wow. other one, congratulations! Yeah. That's not easy to do. The other one, the appraiser didn't change his mind, and so these kids cashed in all their four hundred one ks and came up with another twenty five thousand, and the seller dropped twenty five thousand. Wow! It was a big. That was a big difference. Fifty thousand dollar difference. Yeah, yeah. I I find the purchase appraisal kind of interesting because that's it's different from a refinance transaction where the appraiser actually gets a copy of the purchase contract. I think that's kind of unfair. Yeah. You know, they, they've already got a, a basis for what they're trying, the number they're trying to hit. Um, in a in a refinance, they're just going off of, of comparables. I always feel like that purchase um, contract is going to influence the final number. But it tells me that if you're having appraisal problems and they are knowing what number they're trying to hit, they're trying to hit that number. I, I've would be my <laughs> guess. I, 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 within reason, right. Within sure. reason. We right. always have debates with those real estate appraisers <laughs> because we say, hey, we've got a ready, willing, and able buyer. What's the definition of mar definition of market value? And it's what, what you know, a, a, an arm's length transaction between a buyer and seller 
uh, would be, and and the buyer's willing to pay that much money. And we've got another buyer behind it willing to pay that much money, but you are not able to appraise it to that uh, that amount. Yeah, appraisers probably wouldn't like to hear what I have to say, but I, for a long time now, have thought that um, with all of the technology that we have, the ability to... S- you know, all the programs that we have to, to look at similar properties that are selling and, and come up with these automated valuations that there's a little, maybe too much weight put on the traditional appraisal report, especially in a purchase transaction where you have two willing parties. Um, I think in a cash out transaction, a cash out refinance transaction, appraisals make a whole lot of sense. Um, in, a, in a transaction where someone's just trying to get a lower payment and they have a history of paying their 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 mortgage on time, or in a situation where where a willing buyer and a willing seller are not related and you know no affiliation. I I think the appraisal um, doesn't isn't as necessary. I mean, it it's probably never going to change, but um, it just it it does. It's 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 unfortunate that deals get derailed. Um, when you have that willing, those two willing parties, and and the values just aren't there in a in a rapidly changing market. And that question comes up almost every time we sell a house. Either the buyer says, "Is it going to appraise?" or the seller says, "Do you think it'll appraise? Do you think we'll have a problem with the appraisal?" And I wish we had an answer, but we've seen both sides of. Yeah, uh, it's hard to predict, yeah. isn't it? And and in the last, I mean, with all this reform in the mortgage world. Obviously, the appraisal has been one of the key elements that's really been um, tightened up. You, you used to have a little more um, latitude to go outside of the area or outside of the 90-day window, things like that, to, to try to find your comparables. And, and they're really holding to those numbers as much as possible now. Our county is a little different just because of the uniqueness of properties and uniqueness of areas. Um, we will see things you know, comped out at, at homes that are two, three, four miles away. But for the most part, appraisers are tasked with finding properties within one mile that have sold within 90 days that are of, you know, similar square footage and amenities and, and uh, you know, to support value. And, and when you don't have the, the number of properties selling in our area, it's harder to find uh, the properties that fit that criteria. Um, especially and, when you're seeing 10 and 20% changes in price year over year. And then so when you're dealing with some of these flip properties, when these investors go to flip them, if they've owned it from less than 90 days, now you're required to have two appraisals. So now you've got, instead of one gentleman trying or woman trying to appraise the property at uh, a certain price, now it requires two of them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's lots of times you see a, a get up. And when they rehab the property, they're getting the highest price because it's the highest price per square foot because it's been, you know, maybe $30,000 worth of repairs done yeah. to the property. Yeah. And then, and then on the financing side, there's, there's challenges there where, you know, some buyers just may be excluded because they can't come up with the, the right down payment or they can't get into the right loan program. And that has an effect on the final sales price. If, if you're not able to market the property to everyone, then that, that impacts it. So, there are there are challenges in our area with with um, when we're in such a, a a rapidly changing market. Again, why I'm looking forward to a more normal, steady market. Um, I'm I'm optimistic for the future. You're still looking um, for you know five plus percent appreciation uh, for the foreseeable future. That's still um, pretty good historically. 
I think the state of California or the CAR is actually predicting like 6%. And um, I think that during month over month or quarter over quarter, we may something see something higher or lower than that. But um, I'm going with the 6 or 7%. Sounds good to me. <laughs> um, let's see here. It's 11.33. We, uh, we definitely need to take a commercial break here. Um, we've got some great sponsors of the show that we need to give their time and uh, give them a little mention here. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back and have just a little bit more with Dick and Narlene. Hang on just a moment. We'll be right back with more to Mortgage Matters. If you have a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Imagine if you'd purchased Google stock 10 years ago or bought gold before it went through the roof. How much money would you have right now? Today's real estate market is ripe with opportunities just like these. It's rare that real estate values and mortgage rates are low at the same time. Rates will go up and home values will too. Stop renting. Owning a home is more attainable than you think. We are living in the golden age of real estate. Call 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call agent Susan Rodriguez. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Happy birthday! Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul. With a corncup pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Frosty the snowman is a very tale they say. 
Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. Got just a little bit more time with you here. We've enjoyed a great conversation with Dick and Narlene um, from the Keenan Carter Group. They're a team of Keller Williams, um, primarily serving the five cities area of San Luis Obispo County. Um, although both, did you say both are born and raised here? So you guys know the whole area. Um, Primarily specializing in residential, although you'll dabble in uh, in other types of properties as well. Um, it's it's been nice getting to know you. I've never met you before the show today, so it's been it's been really nice talking to you and, and getting to know a little bit more about you and your business. Um, you guys have been doing real estate for a long time on the Central Coast, so it's um, you know I always like meeting people who are professionals and and uh, you know really really you know own their craft and, and do a great job um, for their clients. So thank you for coming on the show today. Thank, thank you, you for, for having us. Um, I'd like to to give you an opportunity again. I, you've got a number of websites. Feel free to list a few of them off if you like and a uh, phone number so that people know how to get a hold of you, phone number, email address. Um, I know there's a lot of people listening and uh, they might want to get a hold of you to talk about either buying or selling their home. Our primary uh, buyer search um, uh, website is the Keenan Carter group.com. We also have another one called Pismo Coast Homes, uh, dot com, And our uh, office uh, number is 805-773-7711. And uh, we're pretty much answer that phone seven days a week. Seven days a week. Oh, I thought I had it bad working on a Saturday. <laughs> that's, that's hard, but that's what it takes in real estate. That's when uh, people are available on the weekends. Um, so it's probably a time that you work a lot, actually. We are available on the weekends. Um, so the Keenan Carter Group dot com, K-E-E-N-A-N Carter Group dot com um, is their website. You can find all their great contact info and uh, they, they know what they're doing. They uh, how many homes did you guys sell last year? We've closed 55 escrows this year to this date. This year? Wow. We'll probably hit about 63 by the end of the year. Wow. That's that's quite a quite a lot. Congratulations. And we we're lucky we able we sold houses from uh, Paso Robles all the way down to Santa Maria. We have to do a fair number of properties in Santa Maria. And right now we actually have a couple of uh, bank owned properties, which is unusual. Haven't been that much uh, distressed properties. I've got one at 2305 Valley, V-A-L-L-E, in Atascadero. Oh. Uh, the bank listed it at 444000 And we've got another house coming up, um, a real nice house in Royal Grandy, probably about a 3,000-square-foot house. And um, uh, that uh, should be coming on the market in the next three weeks, and that's probably going to be in the $800,000 range. And that, again, is a bank-owned property, so it looks a little distressed. It's going to need a little carpet and paint and things like that, but it's an opportunity. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, I'm I want to let you guys go and get on with your with your weekend, but um, calls are coming in. They're flooding in right now. We've got Tom calling from Atascadero. Um, Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm going to take out speaker. Stand by. Just just listening and just got in my truck. I'm sorry because I know sure. you're probably running late here, but I, I I'm uh, you know a, a born skeptic on some level, so I just have a real quick question. Sure. I currently I won't mention the name, but it's a it's a a, a large uh, mortgage lender that currently has my mortgage. Um, I'm in good shape. I mean I'm not underwater. The the value is there versus my loan. 
they have been contacting me over and over again relentlessly, and I finally gave in and listened to what they had. And, and they they tend to, as I'm sure you probably realize, sometimes make everything seem incredibly simple. In, in this case, they want to drop my percentage rate from 6 to 4 um, with very little out-of-pocket on my part. Uh, the only real requirements uh, that, that I had them put it in writing yesterday was no credit check and no appraisal. It just, they just, it seems like a real wham bam. But it also seems to get be true on some level. I'm trying to figure out what their motive is, and and that's that's the god's honest truth. I mean, I just, it, it, it sounds good. Everything looks good on paper, but it's just kind of like, why are they doing this? So your mortgage lender just proactively reached out to you to lower your interest rate. Yes. You. Hmm. It's are you, um, now I know most homeowner, homeowners know that you get solicited a lot, but for for refinancing and things like that. I mean, I get mailers weekly. Is that how they contact you? Do they call you? Initially, they they would call, and then they actually sent two FedEx things. And and I finally asked them. I said, "Do I have to do this?" And they said, "No." And I said, "Okay, you know." I hate to be so presumptuous as to say, what's your motive? And, you know, why do you want to lower my mortgage rate? And, and actually, they're shortening the term to 15 years, which keeps the payment about the same. Um, I've never missed a stroke in, you know, in, in 30 years of mortgage. So, I mean, I, you know, maybe I look like a good prospect. I, I just don't know. It just, there's a skeptical part of me that keeps going, okay, <laughs> we're, we're, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Huh. No, I mean, it sounds like, like just a, a general solicitation for refinance. Um, do you have equity in your home and good credit? Any, I mean, Oh you, yeah. Yeah. All of the above. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds to me like, like you've got uh, someone working hard at the bank trying to find a refinance out there. I mean, banks often will, you know, they, they know that when you're in a rate that's higher than the market rate, that you're a risk of, of refinancing with another company. So they want to get to you first. And it's actually, that's you know, just sorry to interrupt you, but that's actually what my wife thought. You know, we're pretty savvy. We have several businesses and so forth. I, I just, you know, I wanted to ask the guy, you know, what's in this for you? You know, in other words, if, if there's no credit check, there's, you know, you know, oh, well, they want three years in taxes, but which is not a big deal. It doesn't bother me. But there's just that skeptical side of me that says, what's in this for you? You know, why, why yeah. are you doing this? What's in it for them is they're going to make uh, they're going to make some money on your refinance. I mean, that's the reality of, of doing a refinance is there's profit to be made on the bank side. For you, it's to lower your interest rate, maybe shorten your term. Um, I mean, it, it all sounds on the up and up to me. I I think the only thing you have to be uh, just be aware of is that the loan terms are what you think they are. You know, no prepayment penalties. There's nothing interesting or funky about that particular new loan. Uh, so you hate to go from a, a good situation into a, a not so good situation. And I also think you know your your lender obviously is a big company, and the person who called you is an individual. So that kind of speaks to what Dan was saying as far as you know that that person who's calling you may have some numbers that they need to meet and. You uh, on paper look like a, a person that would definitely be interested in uh, in a refinance. So the, all you of know, those I, things I, together. I feel really good with your answer, and I thank you for it. I know it's not going to make you any money, but but it is. Uh, I, I I have a business where I give free tech help, you know, on the internet and and people that call me on a regular basis, and it always brings good things back to you. I I just I, I hate to be so jaded. I just I just this is <laughs> the way I felt, and and I am going to forward the documents of so the proposal to my attorney. 
uh, he said he'd look them over and make sure that it is what, what they say it is. This is a company that you see sometimes 10, 15 times a day if you just watch, you know, TV. So, I mean, it's it's not somebody that, you know, just some off-the-wall small company somewhere. They're they're a you know a continual advertiser on the uh, on the particular on the television. So, without going into who it is exactly, I just the uh, I think they have too big of a presence to be a, a con. But uh, uh, again, yeah, I just, yeah, just I th- like I said, it sounds it sounds like a legitimate offer. I guess the the closing thought I would have because there is a little bit of sales guy in me um, is to if if this is something you're interested in doing and changing your rate and your term is to maybe get one or two more quotes and just see if that is the absolute best offer you could get on that refinance opportunity. There may be a company, for instance, Central Coast Lending, that would uh, be able to beat the the terms that they're offering with uh, the same type of documentation. The documentation they're asking for sounds similar to what we require for uh, a refinance as well. The, the, the one thing I'll leave you with is I called my business banker because he's very savvy and, and uh, he's a major, major national bank. And, and uh, he said, ask them if it's a HARP uh, program or a HARP uh, supported program. And I asked that and they basically said, no, it's a hard something or other. I, I really, it, it, apparently it's a hard lender um, deal. And the, the only hmm. thing I could get out of it without having the computer screen in front of me red, was that, Red flag. Yeah, that's, red flag, Tom. Yeah, red flag. All of a sudden I, have, I don't feel so good about that. Hard money lending is typically for either something that just you know, a, a property that's not eligible for institutional financing or a borrower who's not eligible for institutional financing, either because no, of credit issues I, or income qualification? It, it's not HARP. It's, 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 it's it, basically the explanation from them when I presented that or asked them that was, no, it's not HARP. It's, it's because they already have the paper on the thing. They have the ability to apparently do this internally without you know, a lot of extra work. So but, I, I, that was the answer. Yeah, it was but, not uh, HARP. The bottom line is the, the interest rate environment that we're seeing now is better than what you currently have. And if you're dealing with your existing lender who's uh, doing a good job for you or you're talking to somebody else, it's always a good idea to have a couple different offers on the table. And then you're, you're guaranteeing yourself the best, uh, you know, opportunity for choosing what makes the most sense to you. Because their offer may be better than what you have now, but maybe Central Coast Lending can offer you something that's even better than that. Well, so. here's, here's what I'll do. I'll take the phone number off the air because I'm, I don't have anything to write with, but I'll, I'll, um, I'll report it down and maybe I'll give you a call the first of the week. That well, sounds great, Tom. We appreciate I, you calling. I'm to talk to you guys and I very much appreciate you letting me babble for a few minutes. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Thanks for the phone Thank call. You. Have a we, good day. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, we've got another caller waiting patiently online. We've got Jeff calling from Los Osos. Yes, uh, gentlemen. The thing that I want to know, uh, because, you know, I listen to radio and the pundits, the political pundits, are uh, saying that anybody who can get refinanced can already afford it, and they don't—they don't matter. Then the people that get can get refinanced immediately are people that don't really need it. And uh, other things. Um, I'll take my answer off the air, but. The, the other thing is that they're saying that the inventory is coming back. There's a lot more houses on the market nationally. 
And you get this yo-yo report. Uh, we need more jobs. Uh, and just lately, the, the jobs now, the company is doing well. And, and, and so how can the middleman take this up and down thing? Okay. Well, we appreciate you calling, Jeff, and we'll uh, do our best to address your your topics here um, off the air with you. Um, I'll tackle the uh, the refinancing aspect, which is the first part of his question. Um, I, I think to some degree that that's right, that the people who are able to qualify for a refinance are the people who can't afford it. You have to be very, very well qualified today to get a, a new loan, to qualify for a refinance, whether it's a purchase, I mean, a refinance or a purchase for that matter, you have to be very well qualified. You have to have great credit. You have to have um, verifiable income that meets a, a debt ratio that, that demonstrates that you have an ability to repay the mortgage um, as well as your other debts on a monthly basis. Um, so the people who are taking advantage of refinancing meet all those qualifications. And, and so, you know, yeah, they, they can probably afford what they have now, but they would rather um, pay less because that opportunity is available to them. With that said, there are opportunities for people who may be um, having a harder time making their payment, and that is with the HARP loan program. The HARP loan program um, will allow borrowers with, um, with maybe negative equity or very little equity in their home the HARP program will allow people who've experienced some, um, you know, declines in income. The, the debt to income ratios on HARP will go up to 65 or 70 percent. We've we've toyed with the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac engines to find the maximums that we can get people qualified to, and it's 65 or 70 percent, um, which is good. You have to show that you've been able to make your payment, but it's you know it's really hard for you. And, and as long as you've been making your payment, you can get qualified at those higher debt to income ratios. So there are opportunities for people who do need the help more than others. Um, so I, I hope that that addresses that question. As far as inventories go, I'll, I'll turn it over to, to Dick and Arlene here. Maybe you guys have some input on that. Well, <clears throat> inventory does fluctuate throughout the year. For instance, in the county, in, uh, in, in January, there was 590 houses and, and PUDs for sale in uh, in the entire county. And by the time it got to September of 13, it got up to 924. And now we're back down to uh, 759. So inventory does fluctuate from from the time of the year seasonally as well as uh, what's going on in the economy. And right now it seems like uh, at least in the last two months we've seen a drop in the inventory. Um, where are we at as far as, as months of supply? Um, do you have a, a number there? Right around three months, three and months. it's and and because of the drop of in inventory in November, it's actually down about two and a half months. So yeah, I mean, when when supply and demand is is a little out of out of what we consider normal, um, it it does make it harder on on those who you know are the entry level or the first time home buyer. It, it's it's a more challenging. Um, challenging for them to get into those homes because there are very well qualified people also looking for homes who, you know, maybe want them for a different purpose, maybe not for their primary residence, but for investment purpose. And, and so that can make it challenging for that, for that average home buyer who's out there. And, and, you know, I was referencing an article that was in last Sunday's Tribune and it, it essentially said the same thing. I, th I think it, 
It said um, with that median home price in our county of four eighty seven five hundred, which you know is is somewhat due to this lack of inventory, I think, driving those values up, that that now only about 23% of San Luis Obispo County residents can qualify for that um, median home price. So that, that makes it tough on, on the average family to get into a home. But, you know, we, we talked about it a little earlier in the show with good counseling uh, from both the, your, your real estate professional and your mortgage professional, you can come up with a plan to maybe maybe not in your first home purchase, but maybe down the line, your second um, or, or third home purchase, you can you can build sweat equity. You can trade up in homes and eventually achieve that that dream of the the forever home, whatever that may be for you. Um, it just takes planning and, and and education, and you know that's part of why we do this show here is to help give you information so that you can go out and make those good decisions and. And, uh, you know, we also bring on great guests to introduce you to that maybe maybe one of our guests will, will catch your attention and, and you like what they have to say and you want to work with them when looking for that home. So, um, you know, it's uh, getting into real estate, uh, you know, a, for most people, the biggest financial decision of their lives. And, and it's one that needs to be well thought out. So. Um, and there's a lot of changes coming as well in the, in January, there's uh, what's called the qualified mortgage, which the consumer financial protection, um, bureau is now saying, you know, there's tighter parameters as far as qualifying for a loan. So planning appropriately and knowing, you know, if you're going to buy in the next six months or a year or whatever it is, you want to have all of your ducks in a row. It's gone are the days where you decide to buy a house and you find a house and then then you go look for financing to find out only to find out, you know, you, you may not qualify. So it's always good to, to work hand in hand with a good realtor. So you do know your local market. You're not skewed by these national numbers. Um, and it's also good to, to talk to, you know, someone that is qualified. Um, obviously, Central Coast Lending has uh, many qualified loan officers to, to help you sort of put all of those pieces of the puzzle together. Uh, so when you do finally go look, uh, you know, you're in a position to be able to capitalize on what you do find. I'm curious when when buyers reach out to you um, or, you know, one of the agents on your team, how are you asking for that pre-approval letter? Um, how much faith do you put in that pre-approval letter? <laughs> yes, we ask for it. <laughs> and it how much faith we put in that pre pre-approval letter depends on who the lender is that they're pre-approved with. We've been around a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, I sometimes, um, you know, the pre-approval letter, it, it, you know, it's it's really a form letter that some people might turn out without even looking at any of the borrower's information. So yeah, you probably need to have a little history with that lender. You might even follow up with the lender just to ask them a few questions. Oh, absolutely. If it's a lender that we don't know or are unfamiliar with, uh, we definitely follow up with them. And the biggest question I, we ask them, of course, is have you looked at any of the documentation? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a really important part of the process today is making sure that you know that you can qualify and what you qualify for and that you've had that conversation. Because oftentimes we can qualify people for more than they're comfortable paying. Um, so you want to you want to do that kind of budgeting analysis and understand some of the costs outside of just your mortgage. There's taxes, insurance. You're going to get that supplemental tax bill. Um, there's, you know, maintenance and, and time. You know, there's a lot of things that go into home ownership that you need to factor in. So 
Um, again, getting good consultation is the key when you're getting into that market and getting pre-approved is a great first step. Um, we've held you guys over much longer than you uh, signed on for. I, I appreciate you spending the extra time and addressing questions from callers. Um, how about one more time, just letting people know how they can get a hold of you. 805-773-7711. All right, Dick and Narlene from the Keenan Carter Group of Keller Williams, primarily working residential properties in the five cities area. Um, to my co-host, my partner in crime, thank you so much for coming on in of this course. Saturday. Uh, Jason Van Dyke, he's a loan officer for Central Coast Lending, um, lives down in the uh, five cities area and uh, works all over the county. Um, we, Central Coast Lending, have three offices throughout the county, Paso Robles, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, um, try to make it convenient for you to work with us um, when getting pre-qualified for a home purchase or uh, refinance. We offer every loan program, uh, FHA, VA, conventional, USDA, HARP loans. Um, we, uh, we also have access to lot and construction financing. Um, if it can be financed, we can do it. That's uh, what I often like to say. Um, we work hard six days a week, not quite seven. Try to take a Sunday off. There's football to be watched. Um, and uh, anyways, I hope you reach out to us. Also, if you are interested in catching part of this show, maybe you missed part of this show, we will have that podcast up on our website later in the week. You can also catch past shows uh, on the website. Go to centralcoastlending.com. There's a lot of great information for you. Um, there's the radio uh, the radio tab up at the top of the page that will give you all the information about the radio show. We are bringing new uh, content every week. Um, we try to bring new stuff daily for you, whether it's national, state, or local um, economic numbers, uh, we bring all that stuff to you. We also have great guest bloggers on our website who are local experts. Um, we have realtors. We have uh, all the things that go into the home, kitchens, painting, um, landscape. We've got it all on our website. A lot of great local experts uh, to refer you to. So I hope you'll check it out, centralcoastlending.com. Put a lot of time and energy into that website. Uh, it's a resource for you to check out. And uh, again, thank you for listening today. And if you need any help with your mortgage, you can give us a call at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Or check us out online, centralcoastlending.com. We'll have another live show for you next week. Have a great weekend. It's 12 o'clock on News Talk 920 KVEC San Luis Obispo. Proud to be.